bright, sun and shiny day. Anybody ready for spring? Anybody like really like winter? Anybody like winter? What is wrong with you folks? I told my wife recently, I said, when all the kids get out of the house, I think we're going to start taking our vacation in January and February. Go to sunshine in Florida. Just take at least a week so I can get some sunshine. I am not a winter person. I am a spring, summer, early fall. Once it gets past Christmas, I want spring, summer, early fall every day of my life. That's just the way I am. It is so good to see. We have some first-time guests here, some special people. Can we give them a hand? Come on. You're a first-time guest. I want to thank you for coming today. Right in front of you in your seat back pocket is a communication card. If you'll be so kind to fill that out, give us as much information as you feel fit to do so. And if you'll just turn that in at our guest services uh, desk, as you go out to the left, they'll give you a free t-shirt, bridge t-shirt, and a book, and we'll send you a gift card in the mail just for being our guests today. If you're joining us online, thank you so much. Let's give all our guests online a big bridge welcome. Watching and sharing the worship from all over the nation and nations around the world. We're going to continue our series today called The Awe of God. Next Sunday, you don't want to miss it. We're going to have some very special guests that I'm going to be interviewing along with my wife, Tangie, uh, Pastor Lee and Denise Boggs, who run a ministry called uh, Living Waters Ministry. We have a seminar coming up this Friday and Saturday called Healing the Heart. We opened it up to 100 people and it immediately filled up. I just believe that God wants to heal people, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. When you see Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus was a preacher, teacher, and healer. Say that with me. Preacher, teacher, and healer. In our world today, because of the brokenness, we don't need to come preaching and teaching. Maybe we need to come healing. I think people can't hear us because they're so broken at times, but we can heal them through words and encouragement, through prayer, through being there with them. It's so good to uh, know that Jesus heals our hearts. Amen. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 33. I want to ask you this question before we read today's uh, text. What is the most valuable thing you own? What is the most valuable thing you own? It is, is it your car? Is it your Air Jordans? Is it uh, your home, your vacation home? Uh, for many of us today, the, the most important thing, it might not be the most expensive thing we own, it would probably be our cell phones. In fact, if you leave your phone at home sometimes, you might feel like you're having a panic attack because you're disconnected from the world. But God's word says there's something that's more valuable than anything in this world. This thing that I'm talking about has the ability to produce life in you. It, it really brings the provision and providence and protection of God into our lives. It adds a life uh, to our lives. It adds a length of years. It, it adds uh, health to our bodies and our bones. It is the foundation of character and happiness. 
It creates a great legacy in your family for generations to come. It will actually add years to your life. This one thing. This one thing. It's found in God's Word. God wants you to obtain it. God wants you to possess it and have it and live out of that. You might be saying, Pastor, what is that one thing? Here it is. Here it is. The fear of the Lord. Solomon, who was the wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus, taught a lot about the fear of the Lord in the Proverbs. David also talked about the fear of the Lord. And in Psalm 19, he said this, the fear of the Lord is clean. It's pure. I think it's verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, meaning this, that when I begin to put God first and I begin to fear him, it begins to clean my life. Have you ever walked into an atmosphere that felt unclean? Have you ever been in somebody's presence and you felt slimed? Anybody ever, anybody ever felt that? You'll never walk into God's presence and feel unclean and slimed by his presence. Why? Because he's totally holy. Did you know or did it ever occur to you God's not growing, he's full grown? God's not learning, he's learned. God's not growing more holy, he is holy. He is holy forever. God never matures. He's a full-grown man. Think about that. And this one thing, the Bible says, if we possess it, it lengthens the days of our lives. It causes the protection of God to come on us, the provision of God. A legacy is created in our families and generations to come, and it creates health in our bodies. Think about that. If, if, if somebody promised me something like that, if I would just obtain one thing, guess what? I would go after it. I would run after it. I would possess it. I would try to obtain it. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, he says, all has been heard. The end of the matter is fear God, revere and worship him, knowing that it is he, that he is and keep his commandments. For this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of his creation, the object of God's providence the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment of all in harmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun, and the whole duty for every man is to do what? To fear the Lord, to revere him, to exalt him. And when I talk about the fear of the Lord, I'm not talking about being scared of God. I'm talking about having an awe of God, a reverence of God. And from that vantage point, I want to read our text today. Isaiah 33, 5 through 6 says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion. Zion is Jerusalem. It can be referring to the New Testament church. He said, I'm going to fill Zion, the church. Jerusalem with his justice and righteousness. 
He will be the sure foundation for your times. Look at that. He will be stability in your times. He will be that sure foundation, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord is the key to what? The key of the Lord is this right here. The treasure is this here, to fear God. And when you fear God, you have a sure foundation, you have salvation, you have wisdom, you have knowledge because the fear of the Lord unlocks the provision of God, the salvation of God, the protection of God. The fear of the Lord is clean. We don't hear much in God's house about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord can be translated from the Hebrew as awe. That's what it means. It means to stand in awe. It's often translated into fear like the fear of the Lord. However, it can also mean to respect, to give reverence, to honor, submission, and worship. Could it be that our worship is so small because we have no fear of God? To the degree that I fear him, my worship grows. You cannot worship a God that you not, do not stand in awe of. The, the reason we can't worship God because we reduce God to our humanity. Instead of worshiping the creator, we begin to worship the creation. And because we don't know God and we don't understand God, we create God in our image to appease what we love. And so out of that creation of God that we make in our own minds, we create our own theology that appeases our flesh. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. It might not be for none of y'all here. It might just be for the people online today. I'm telling you today that we begin to re reduce God down to a God that we can manage. As long as I have a manageable God, there's no commandments placed on me. There, there, there's no action placed on me. There's no responsibility placed on me. So I create a Christmas candy cane God that is sweet to my taste. It's not even Christmas. No, God is more than your Christmas candy cane sweetness. God is high and lifted up. He is holy. He is far beyond us. He's not getting more holy. He is holy. He is holy. Lisa Bevere once said, we are a generation that has been stripped of our all. We have been stripped of it. You know when it starts? The moment you're born. It's perpetuated when you go to kindergarten. When you get to first, second, third grade, they begin to teach you the theory of evolution as fact. Theory as fact. And so they begin to teach you, you know, that, that we all climbed up out of the swamp. And somehow we grew a tail. Eventually we grew some feet and some arms. And we began to climb trees. We would swing from trees and eat bananas. I don't believe that because I really don't like bananas. 
And so we reduce God's creation down to an evolutionary process that creates no value in people, and now we don't understand why children are bringing guns to school and shooting teachers. We don't understand why parents are killing their children, and we don't understand why children are killing their parents, and we don't understand why people will go into a mall and open up a gun and begin to shoot people randomly. We do that because we don't understand the value that God's placed upon the apex of his creation, which is mankind. And so because we don't know God and we've been disconnected from God, from the time we've been taught ABCs, now we're like, man, it, life has no meaning. So if, if I die today, I'm just going to cease to exist. No, you will not cease to exist. Because when you die and you leave this people planet, God's word says you will go out in eternity. Some will go to hell because of unrighteousness. Some will go to heaven because of righteousness. And you will live forever in a place of heaven or a place called hell. God never created hell for humanity. He created hell for the demons and Satan himself. Preaching. I'm just telling you today that we need to get an awe. You know the reason we fear men so greatly is because we fear God so little. You know the reason we fear we fear COVID. Because we fear God so long. We fear death because we fear God so little. We, we fear uh, of losing our money because we fear God so little. The reason the fears of this life control us and overwhelm us because, is because we have a little bit of fear of God and not a, not a healthy dose of the fear of God. When you begin to fear God according to his word, guess what? You're not going to fear death. That's why Paul could say, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. He was a man that didn't fear, didn't fear death. He didn't fear people. Why? Because he had a healthy dose of the fear of God. Fear God. Fear God. Think about our world that we live in right now. Say, Pastor, I don't want to hear about an Old Testament fear of the Lord. Well, it believes fruits of the New Testament. There are 235 references of the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament. There are 43 in the New Testament. How many know the fear of the Lord didn't stop in Malachi chapter 4? So hold up, you can't go any further. Don't you jump into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> Don't you go no further. Don't go to Acts, but guess what? It showed up in Acts. Just ask Ananias and Sapphira. They died because they lied to the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says when they died, guess what? The fear of the Lord came upon all those who saw it. Yeah. They begin to say, hey, man, God is powerful. It's full of awe. When you think about your own children, if you have children, if you don't think about them right now and you don't have any, you will have one or two or three. My kids fear me. 
Not an unhealthy fear. But they fear me in this. They respect my authority over their lives. They revere who I am. They're in awe of who I am. Why? Because we have set boundaries in all. That is a positive fear. But there's also a negative fear. The negative fear is this right here. When they were growing up and we asked them not to do something and they did it. <gasps> How many know there's consequences to negative behavior? The Bible says this, that God disciplines those he loves. I've had pastors argue me down over that statement. I'm like, what are you going to do? Are you going to take that out of the Bible? No, we're in a season of grace. Yes, we are. You are. But God loves you enough to say, you're doing it wrong. And because you're doing it wrong, I'm going to pat you on your fanny. How I many you know if, if my children were about to walk out in the street and I let them and there were cars coming from both directions, I hated them if I let them walk out into the street without grabbing them and saying no. Think about that. Here's the kind of God we serve. We, we, we have re, um, reinvented a God in our image. We have reinvented a God that lets us go on sinning and never addresses our sin. Oh, he loves me. I'm going to heaven. I said, I said some words about three years ago at an altar, and he said I was okay. <laughs> I don't care how many pastor's hands you shake. Come on, if you're willfully sinning every day of your life and you don't feel the discipline of God or the conviction of the Holy Spirit, something's wrong in your life. You didn't get saved. You might have got religion, but you didn't get saved. Because God's word says he disciplines those he loves because God loves you. There are some times I go to open my mouth and God says, don't you do it. Don't you do it. And guess what? Sometimes I do it. And I received the repercussion from my wife. God says, I, I'm disciplining you through my through your wife. It's gonna be a tough day today. Sometimes you want to write something on social media, and God says, No, don't you respond. Shut up. And you do it anyway. And you create a firestorm. And you say, well, how did I get into this? You got into it because you didn't hear God's voice. And if you did hear God's voice, you didn't obey his voice. And because you didn't obey his voice, wrath came your way. How many of you know those who are in sin need to fear the wrath of God? Because it's coming. Somebody you can't clap because you know it's true now. Here's, here's, here's your, I'm going to give you some homework. I know some of you didn't like homework growing up, but I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to read Romans chapter 1. 
Not even the whole book. It would do you good to read the whole book. About every day of your life. But Romans chapter 1. I want you to read it in the Message Bible. And I want you to read it in the, the Passion Translation. It shows a society that has disconnected themselves from God. It shows the adverse impact of people who do not retain the truth. It shows the repercussions that happen to people who, who no longer honor God. In fact, I think it's the Message Bible says, because they no longer acknowledge God, they no longer knew how to be human. Wow. The inhumanity of our nation, the hatred of people because of their skin color, the pure violence that is spilled out into the streets, the disregard for human life, the abortions that are taking place, the transgenderism that's happening. I don't want to touch nobody's little pet political issues, but I am. Because it's not political. It's biblical. It's kingdom. Can I tell you something? If I were the devil, I would do the same thing I've always done in human history. If you study human history and biblical history, all history is God's history. I want you to understand that. All history is his, H-I-S, his story. His is in the word history. Get it? Yeah. It's his story. All throughout God's story, the devil has tried to kill babies. Yeah. Go all the way back. Tried to kill them. Why? Because he's trying to step, stop the next generation from coming into the earth. Number two, he's always belittled and pushed down women. <laughs> Abortion destroys children before they're ever born. Gender confusion that's pushed upon children today is trying to destroy them after they're born. Yep. Yeah. The transgenderism that's impacting our nation today is pushing down women. Women's sports. Just think about it. I want you to open your mind just a little bit. I know you've been programmed by the world, but just, just let that go. Just for a little bit. Now, if you want to take it back home when you leave, that's between you and God. But I want you to stretch it out. All the transgender athletes, it's not hurting the men. Not at all. Not at all. It's not hurting the men at all. It's hurting the women. Why? Because Satan hates women. You go all the way back to Genesis 3. Why? Because Christ would come through a woman. Christ would come through. He hates it. He hates it. They did not know how to be human because they did not retain the knowledge of God. 
want you to think about that. Did you know that we're actually seeing the destruction of a nation yeah. before your eyes? Yeah. If you study history, there have been probably eight to 12 world powers in history, empires. America is now one of those. Since 19, by 1991, we became the lone superpower. No great empire ever was defeated from the outside. Every great empire has always committed suicide. They died of social and spiritual rot because they rejected God. Listen to me. You might not hear this on the other side of town. Listen to me. We're living in those days. Can it turn around? Yes. Can God send an awakening or revival? Yes, I believe he's doing that. Because I believe God loves people. But we must, we must once again have an awe of God. I want you to look at something. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3, Paul is speaking to his spiritual son in the faith, Timothy. He says these words in verse 1. He says, but mark this, terrible times will come in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Now, I'm just going to say some, some characteristics of an end-time world. He said, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, lovers of pleasure. I can't talk because I, I love pleasure. I, I love looking at my phone. Pleasure. I go out to eat with my family, but I can't get off my phone. Pleasure. Rather than lovers of God. Look here. Having a form, say form, of godliness, but denying its power. Oh, that has sweet church services. They'll come in. They'll have no power. Why? Because they have become a people without the fear of the Lord. The reason there's no fear of the Lord in our government and in our public school systems and in our businesses and in the media and in the healthcare world is because there's no fear of the Lord in the church. Do you think about that? There's no fear of the Lord in the church. Look at our text. I'm going to put it in context. I'm going to preach about another 15 minutes. Just hold with me. I'm going to go fast. I haven't got to my points, but I'm going to go fast for this place. <laughs> our text today, within context, is when the Assyrian army was coming and destroying different nations and cities. And they were going to attack Jerusalem. 
But God stands up through the prophet Isaiah and says this in verse 1 and 2, the destroyer will be destroyed. It's talking about the Assyrian army. Those that have destroyed will be destroyed, and the betrayer will be betrayed. That the Assyrian army, the things that they had sown, they will reap. And in several verses in this chapter, it gives us a panoramic view of the social structure and downfall of Jerusalem. Notice what it says in verses 7 through 9. It says, men cry in the streets. I want you to get this in your mind. They're crying in the streets. Officers weep bitterly. This is talking about in Jerusalem. Streets are deserted in fear of violence. People are despised and no one is respected. There's no respect in society anymore. Peace treaties are broken. The land mourns, it weeps, and it's not fruitful. Verse 10, God steps in. He says, I will be exalted. He says, I will be lifted up and exalted. Could it be the healing of our nation is connected to a church that lifts Jesus up and exalts him and puts him in his rightful position and to fear God and to worship God and to honor God? I just believe that the beauty of holy. Did you know that, that God's word calls holiness beautiful? That the beauty of holiness becomes attractive. Here's the fact. Salvation and your faith is not inherited. It's a choice. I don't get to inherit my faith from my parents just because I grew up in their home. I have to choose that faith. I have to choose life in Christ. Now, as parents, guess what we need to do? We need to make our Christian faith beautiful. The fear of the Lord is clean. That when my kids are growing up in my house, that they'll see a faith that is beautiful. They'll see a relationship with God that is beautiful. They'll see the fear of the Lord in my home. There's an awe and there's a holiness in my home. There, there, is, there is a protection in my home. There is life in my home. There is health in my home. Why? Because it's a place where the fear of the Lord is exalted. The fear of the Lord is magnified. It's a place where I, I stand in awe of God and, and just just like going to Cheesecake Factory, they make those cheesecakes so beautiful and attractive. We need to make our faith attractive by standing in awe of God and living clean in holiness and, and doing what we need to do so that, that people are attracted to the Jesus that we say we serve. I think the New Testament writer said it this way, perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. As long as I don't stand in awe of God, I'll live any kind of way I want to. Think about that. Verse 15 through 24 says, Who will dwell in safety, prosper, and be in good health? Those who fear the Lord. Those who are abiding in the Lord. The whole chapter is about putting God first. I'll give you some benefits. We're going to run. Benefits of the fear of the Lord. Number one, 
God is exalted. I fear the Lord. I'm going to put God in his rightful place. I'm not going to make him an appendage. I'm not going to make him uh, something that I just add to my life. No, God becomes exalted. He becomes first in my life. He's exalted in my relationships. He's exalted in my finances. He's exalted in my home. He's exalted in my business dealings. I mean, the fear of the Lord will cause you to do business with justice and righteousness. We're in tax season. The fear of the Lord will render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, if you got some loopholes that are legal, you and share it with a brother. <laughs> but render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. See, the, the fear of the Lord it, it exalts God. Look here, God's presence wants to fill His church, but we have to exalt Him. Psalm ninety-nine five says, "So." Exalt the Lord our God face down before his glory throne, for he is great and holy. Exalted. Isaiah 6, we sang about this early. I saw the Lord. He was clothed in glory. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. And there were seraphim that had six wings. With two wings, they covered their eyes. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two wings, they flew. And they were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And it was echoing and it was loud. And, and Isaiah saw God. He, he saw God in the temple. And the Bible says that Isaiah said, Lord, I live among a people of unclean lips, and I have unclean lips. When, when, when Isaiah saw God, who was clean, he saw his uncleanness. But God didn't leave him there. God never leaves us in our uncleanness when we worship him and we're, we're standing in awe of him. The Bible says that the angel, the seraphim, took a coal off the altar of God and touched his lips and he became holy. God cleansed him. And then God commissioned him. Go forth. Go preach to this nation. Number two. God's presence fills the church with justice and righteousness. That's another benefit of the fear of the Lord, that we walk justly and we do rightly by each other. Come on, somebody. I'm going to be a, a just person. First Kings 8 through 10, 8, 10 through 11 says, when the priest withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. Cloud represented the presence of God. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is not filling brick and mortar. He's filling temples of flesh. His church. You are the church. He wants to fill your life. He wants to fill my life. And the more he fills it, 
cleaner I become from the inside out. How I many you know if I took a water hose and I put it in a five-gallon bucket of dirty water, if I leave it in there long enough and I turn the pressure up, what's going into the bucket will purify what's in the bucket. And eventually all that water will overflow and all the impurities will come out. Why? Because it's being filled. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 5. Be filled with the Spirit. Not a one-time event, a daily event, an ongoing event. Be filled and keep on being filled. Number three, stability in unstable times. This is what the fear of the Lord will bring. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. Oh, my God. You don't have to worry about who's God's in the church. That's God's business. He will separate the tares from the wheat. There's a divine separation coming. It's coming. He said, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from one. What? Wickedness. You know what wickedness is? Anything that's contrary to God's word. See, we get this picture of wickedness of somebody that's uh, a murderer, somebody that's involved in human trafficking. But Jesus called a servant in Matthew 25 a wicked servant because he didn't handle money correctly. Amen. Amen. Let's keep going. Salvation. We're going to roll. Salvation is a benefit of the fear of the Lord. I mean, when I got saved, I don't, know, I don't know why you got saved. I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. That's, I had a, a small concept of salvation. I was a baby Christian. I had my diapers on. I had a meal, and I was drinking a bottle. But I got saved. I don't know why you got saved. But that pastor, that preacher that was preaching that day, he preached me right over the, 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 the abyss of hell. He had me hanging by a thread. And the flames were nipping at that thread. And when he got done, he said, I said, man, I ain't going to hell for nobody. I went to heaven. I went to the altar and I got saved and it stuck. It stuck at that. That's the, that's the original purpose I got saved. But then I, I grew in my relationship with God and found out that salvation was more than fire insurance. It's a new way of life. It's an abundant life. It's a relationship with God. It's me abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in me. He's given me a new frame of thought, a new way of living, a new way of thinking. He re-energized me, renewed me, reorchestrated my life. Not overnight, but as I walk with him and as I talk with him and as I commune with him, he begins to allow salvation. Salvation to take hold in my life. Proverbs 14, 27 says this, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It's a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. It's a fountain of life. When I'm in awe of God and I fear God, when I go to do something that's contrary to his word, guess what? It becomes a fountain of life and it pulls me from the snare of death and keeps me on the straight man. Do you know salvation is holistic, spirit, soul, and body? It means to be rescued, delivered, saved, healed, made whole, abundant life. Next is wisdom. 
Okay. One of the benefits of the fear of the Lord is wisdom. I receive wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7. It's the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. Not only that, knowledge. Say knowledge. knowledge. Proverbs 9, 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's understanding to me. I grow in the understanding of God. Conclusion, when we rediscover the fear of the Lord, we must embrace it. Why should we embrace it? Why must we embrace it? Why should I embrace the fear of the Lord? Here it is. Here it is. Because you can't save yourself. 